It's my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five, and then you may be seated this evening. Well, it's hard to believe whenever we start these weeks, it always seems like, oh my gosh, you know, it's all week, and then we get toward the end of the week, and uh, here we are, Thursday, and we're bringing it home. Tell your neighbor, we're going to bring it home. Let's start off in Genesis 12. God said to Abram, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. People miss this basic stuff in the Word of God. God said to Abram, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. So if it's not in your heart to be a blessing, why should God bless you? Genesis 12, 2 and 3, God said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, this is the basic covenant God made with Abraham. I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. And we've spent the week trying to talk you into this, that God wants to bless your life. And I think sometimes people have trouble with the whole idea that God wants to bless my life, but when you see the reason why, when you see the purpose behind it, then I think it makes it easier to accept. God wants to bless my life so I can be a blessing. How can you be a blessing if you have not been blessed yourself first? So here is the principle. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. God said, said to Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and then I'm gonna make you a blessing. You can't be much of a blessing until you get blessed. I said, you cannot be much of a blessing until you get blessed. You know, we have a, a spreadsheet here at the church, and it lists every honorarium since 1984. And when I go to that spreadsheet, let's say if I'm going to add information on a recent guest speaker, if I look back, it's horrifying. I mean, it's horrifying because it lists every guest speaker all the way back to 1984, and I look back, for example, at the honorariums that we gave my primary mentor in the gospel, Dr. Lester Summerall, and, you know, we did the best we could. But as a church, we just weren't that blessed at that point. And I wish I could go back in time and do better, do more, and be a bigger blessing. 
But you have to start where you are. You, you cannot start where you want to be. You've got to start where you are. And then when I look at that and down through the years, step by step, line by line, precept upon precept, well, we got to be a pretty heavy blessing to missionaries and people among us and guests. How many of you here tonight want to be a blessing and you want to be able to give more so that people can hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, how can you be a blessing unless and until God blesses you? Do you see why Satan has fought what the Bible says about success and prosperity? If you have a loving heart, if you have a willing heart, if you have a sowing heart, we're here this week to make sure you have a heart of faith. Now let me run that by again. If you have a loving heart, if you have a willing heart, if you have a sowing heart, we're here this week to make sure you have a heart of faith. Why? Because without faith, you'll never be able to do for the kingdom of God what your heart wants to do. I said without faith, you'll never be able to do for the kingdom of God what your heart wants to do. Jesus, speaking about himself, quoted from the prophet Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I like the Amplified Version. It reads this way, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release that is pardon and forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, that is the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. You see, so many have been broken down by the calamities of life, and it's more that way than ever. I mean, just the opioid crisis and the fentanyl crisis and this flood of death and mayhem that is sweeping the land. More people are broken than ever before. And Jesus came into this world in order to reach the poor, the blind, the captive, and the brokenhearted. And Jesus is here for you, and Jesus can deliver you and set you free. Can I get an amen? amen? And we've been rehearsing Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. What is the tithe? It is your first fruit. It is the first tenth of your income. It is the first thin dime out of every dollar. And God's plan to finance his churches for his children to give the first dime out of every dollar. So we said the other night that we are to honor the Lord with what he has already given us. We are to be a good steward of what he has already given us because the Lord's not going to take us from the welfare level to the multimillionaire level in a month or a, a week or a year. No, we have to work our way up through those levels. And one way we do that is we honor the Lord 
with what he's already given to us. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's no coincidence to me that the current apostasy in the United States of America revolves around money. Obviously, because they have made government God. Do nothing, be nothing, achieve nothing, stay home and wait for your check or your government loan. It goes hand in hand with this new ideology and that is that God blesses everybody the same. That, what is that? That's communism. That if I work hard, I'm not going to be any better rewarded than if I sit home and wait on my check. Are you hearing me? You see every And listen, listen, these preachers, I mean, it's horrifying. We have held church as normal all through this. We have held school as normal all through this. So, of course, we're more blessed than somebody that's been closed for two years. Are you hearing me? You know, I've actually been here working. Amen. Of course we're blessed. You see, everyone wants the barns that are filled to overflowing and the vats that are brimming over with new wine. But how many are willing to honor the Lord with their wealth, with the first fruits of all their crops? The King James says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Living Bible says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. You see, everything you have belongs to God. So you're not an owner, you're a steward. We saw that Sunday night and Monday night that our job is to be a good steward at the level we're at so God can promote us, so God can bless us, so God can increase us to the next level. And one thing I've discovered in my short time on the planet is this, that there is no end to the levels we can graduate in the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. David put it this way, 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. That is the heart that we ought to have. Everything belongs to you, Father God. And everything I have came from you, Father God. So when I bring a tithe or when I bring an offering above and beyond the tithe, all I'm doing is giving you back what you gave me in the first place. And this is God's plan to fund his work. And the plan of God was designed to cost the believer nothing. If we would work it, if we would have hearts of faith and not fear, God's financial plan is designed to cost the believer nothing. Actually, it's better than that. It is designed so that we can pull ahead and become wealthy over time by working God's financial plan. God has a plan to fund his work. And then over and above and beyond the tithe, we are to give offerings as led by the Holy Spirit. And notice what Jesus said in Mark 10, 29 to 31. And this is also recorded in Matthew 19, 29 to 31. I tell, you the re I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, what does it take to buy a home? Talk to me, what does it take to buy a home? No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields, what does it take to have fields? Or me, for, for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and then later on in the age to come, eternal life. 
but many who are first will be last and the last first. And then Jesus gave us the overriding principle in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over <coughs> will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself. So who are we storing this treasure up for? Talk to me. Who are we storing this treasure up for? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's why it's so critical. That's why it's so critical. My primary mentor in the gospel, Dr. Lester Summerall, said in my living room one night, I was horrified. I was horrified. He said, son, you're a little weak on offerings. I was horrified. I thought I was doing a good job. And he coached me. He life coached me. He said, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so he said, if you don't get their treasure, you won't have their hearts. And it's not that we want it, but we want Jesus to have their hearts. Say it out loud. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Now, you've got to see from the Word of God that God wants you to live in abundance. We saw this last night. God wants obedience. He does not want sacrifice. God does not want us to live a life of doing without. God wants to bless our lives. Say it out loud. God wants to bless my life. Jesus was saying in all these scriptures, I want you to have something, but you've got to give me something to work with, and you've got to have a heart that wants to be a blessing. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I want this church to be the healthiest and the wealthiest congregation in the world, man by man. I want us to do more to evangelize the world than any other local church could even think about doing. We want to be able to hear Jesus say to all of us in that day when he settles accounts with us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I'll tell you this, if you can't pay your bills, how are you going to evangelize the world? If you're bound up in debt, how in the world are you going to help others? If you're not blessed yourself, how can you pass a blessing on to others you yourself never had in the first place? As your pastor, I want you to be blessed. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Listen, that's why we reinvested in our television equipment. I mean, it's hard to believe we're just here holding church on a Thursday night in Arlington, Texas, but we have people watching our messages all over the world. It was one of the most hilarious things in the world. I was on vacation or somewhere with Pastor Sue, and uh, Austin's texted me a picture. Uh, Google sent us uh, uh, this 
odious huge plaque, you know, come celebrating 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. I thought it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen in my life. I get some kind of a commendation from Google. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious, you know? But this is the handiwork of God. This is God. So that people in lockdown countries and people where the gospel is prohibited and people where, you know, like in China, they're knocking down evangelical churches. I mean, but this goes out all over the world and people from all over are watching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, if somebody sends us something, we're grateful. But it's not necessary because God has blessed this congregation. Hallelujah. And everything is paid for. Hallelujah. I mean, if somebody sends something, we're grateful. But we don't have need of anything because we've believed the word of God and we've been working the plan of God and God has been honoring his word and God has been answering and God has been blessing. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a better amen? amen? I want you to be blessed by God. You see, we, we ought to be about the business of the king, his work, his mission, his house. God is saying to you tonight, I'll give you everything you need if you'll just be interested in getting the gospel out to the world. God's work, God's mission, God's house. We are to reach the unreachable, touch the untouchable, and love the unlovable. That is our plan, and that is our goal. We're, we're not supposed to be some bless me club. We have a mission, and we have a purpose. We have a work to do, and we have a task ahead of us. And let me tell you what, the darkness of tyranny is descending all over the world, when the Apostle Paul wrote, there will be terrible times in the last day, I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, he was not kidding. Liberty is not rising. Tyranny is rising. Every city, county, state, nation, all over the world, I mean, they are putting their foot on the neck of humanity. They want to crush freedom all over the world. We have got to work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. I'm telling you, you got to make it now because the time is coming you won't be able to. You've got to give it now because the time is coming you won't be able to. We've got to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ now because the time will come when we won't be able to. It wasn't that many months ago I stood right up here on a Sunday morning and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, there will not be many more of these, many more of what? Sundays to lift our hands and worship God. Sundays to thunder the word of God from the sacred desk. Sundays to give an altar call and see people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you talking about, Pastor? Because the Lord is coming with a trumpet blast, with the blast of the archangel, and the Lord is going to say, come up hither and our day of labor will be done. 
But let us not focus on that because that will take care of itself. Let us focus on the task at hand, and that is we must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. We've got to win them now. We've got to get them healed now. We've got to get them delivered now. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Can I get a better amen? We are going to see multitudes in heaven because of our obedience right here on earth. Malachi 3.10, the prophet said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the Lord, imagine, almighty God, imagine, the Alpha and the Omega, imagine, El Shaddai uttered words that Fauci and Burks never uttered. Test me in this and see. My God, my God, my God, there is no excuse for not testing and seeing what the Lord will do. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The King James says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And while I'm reading these words from the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is saying to me, that is why so much of his church was filled with fear because their heart condemned them and they knew they had no covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we at Faith Christian Center held the line and we stood and we held the line and we said we have a covenant and we put our faith in God and we do not put our faith in man. And we didn't lose a person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we didn't do anything and we didn't conform. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we believe God. He says, the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, prove me. Put me to the test. I dare you to prove me out and see if what I'm promising is true. This generation is going to be judged harshly for the same generation of Christians who would not believe God, believed everything Fauci and Burke said, and did everything Fauci and Burke said. When when did Fauci or Burks ever say, prove me? When did Fauci or Burks ever say, put me to the test? I dare you to prove me and see if what I'm promising is true. When did they ever say that? Never. God wants people who have critical thinking skills. Hallelujah. So I put God to the test. I'm here to tell you, hallelujah. I got some snow on the roof, and I've lived a while, and I'm here to testify that the Word of God is true. The Word of God works. Our God is a truth-telling God. He has never failed me, not one time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God has showed up, and my God has met me at every level I believed Him at. Hallelujah. 
But God Almighty, El Shaddai says, prove me. Put me to the test. I dare you to prove me out and see if what I'm promising is true. The first tenth of your income to God, and then you need to give offerings above and beyond that as led by the Holy Spirit of God to carry out the work of God. And God says, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon you that you will not even have room enough to contain the blessings that I pour out upon you. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not even have room enough for it. I'm tired of God's people being so poor they can't pay their debts. I declare that you're going to prosper until you don't have to buy anything on credit. I said, I declare you're going to prosper until you don't have to buy anything on credit. I declare you're going to be able to pay cash for everything you need. I declare you're going to be able to clothe your family, send your children to private school, send your children to college. I declare you'll be able to drive the best and live in the best. I declare you'll have enough money. You'll be able to live in a safe neighborhood. And I say you'll be able to do all of this while giving God the first tenth of everything that crosses your hands and while following the leading of the Holy Spirit of God giving additional monies into the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that if you'll stand up and get the revelation of what God has said, that he will take that one talent from the guy who hid his master's money and give it to the guy who had five talents and turn five talents of money into ten talents of money, and you're going to have abundance. I said, you're going to have abundance. God wants to be able to trust you with abundance. Now let's change, shift gears, go to the fasting chapter. Go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Isaiah says, shout it out loud, do not hold back. Raise your voices like a trumpet. Declare to my people that... Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. What have we been saying the last two nights? God wants what? What have we been saying the last two nights? God wants obedience. Obedience is the key to everything. God desires obedience not sacrifice they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them why have we fasted they say and you have not seen it why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed Now, Isaiah lived at the end of the time of prosperity, the beginning of the end for Judah. It's so obvious. God does not bless every generation equally, and God does not bless everybody equally. All you got to do is read 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. Isaiah lived in that day. And so... What they wanted to do was worship Chemosh, 
worship Asherah, worship Baal, charge their brother's usury, and do all of this idolatry, and break the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God, and then whenever they were threatened by the Amalekites, or threatened by the Egyptians, or threatened by the Assyrians, they wanted to then fast and call out to God, but it was all based on panic, not based on obedience. And so they're complaining, why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen it, why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed, verse 4, because the prophet says your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. They want to know, why have we fasted? Why has the Lord not noticed? And God says you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Now notice, these people were doing without. They were proud of themselves for doing without. They were doing without food to apparently try and prove to the Lord how worthy they were and how holy they were. But, everybody shout but but their super spirituality wasn't cutting it with God. I've seen it all this 49 years and two months of preaching the gospel. James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And people don't want to do the word, and they don't want to do the word, and they don't want to do the word, and they don't want to do the word, and of course they get messed up. Then when they get messed up, they want to have hands laid on them. They want to have a Daniel fast. They want to uh, do, you know, uh, super spiritual stuff, like dance around church with flags, and, uh, you know, cry into hankies, and all the rest. But I learned the secret, and the secret is, if I'll be a doer of the Word of God, I don't need any of that. If I'll be a doer of the Word of God, I create days of heaven upon the earth for my own self. Somebody might say, well, that's, Pastor, you're out there now. No, I'm not. Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll make your own way prosperous. Then you'll make your own way successful. I make my own way prosperous. I make my own way successful. I bring days of heaven upon the earth into my own life. By putting my faith in God, not in man, putting my faith in God, putting my faith in the Word of God, and being a doer of the Word of God. And here come the blessings. Hallelujah. Their super spirituality wasn't cutting it with the Lord, and their super holy act wasn't cutting it with the Lord. Look at me, I'm fasting. Remember in Jesus' day, they, they would put ash on their 
on their foreheads. They would tear their clothes. They would, you know, walk around town all molly grub, you know, showing off how holy I am and how I'm fasting and how I'm doing without. God desires obedience and not sacrifice. And I'll go another step and tell you, if you'll give up the sacrifice and begin obeying the Lord your God, you can live a life without sacrifice. They were bowing down and acting so religious, you know. And God says, is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Is this what I want you to do? Every January, certain ministers honk and promote their January Daniel fast. Don't ever do what people tell you to do if you can't find it in the written word of God or if the Holy Spirit of God hasn't told you to do it first. Number one, there's no such thing as a Daniel fast. If it's even referred to, it ought to be called the Daniel diet. It wasn't a fast, it was a diet. Number two, doing anything because some preacher says to do it or because a punch, bunch of people are doing it is just plain dumb. All those people who went to Washington, D.C. because Donald Trump said stop the steal are still there in prison. They're there tonight, 19 months later. They're still there tonight, and they're there without bail. Let's all go do this. You know who goes? Sheep to the slaughter. No, it's just dumb to do anything because some preacher says do it or because a bunch of people are doing it. What kind of mama did you have? Didn't your mama tell you if everybody's jumping off a cliff, are you going to jump off a cliff? You know, God wants us to keep the flesh under, but that's not really what he's after. I've seen some heavy people blessed by the Lord. I'm telling you what, man, that, that Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord uh, in 2003, I mean, you know, he ate a, his solution to not being able to sleep at night was to eat a pint of ice cream every night before he went to bed. He was large, but he was blessed by the Lord. T.L. Osborne was real thin. He was blessed by the Lord. It's not about your weight. It's about your heart. I said it's not about your weight. It's about your heart. You know, God wants us to keep the flesh under, but that's not all that's going on. Hallelujah. He doesn't want his people hanging their heads and walking around like they're in sorrow and mourning and walking around like they're starving to death. No, 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 a thousand times no. What God wants is obedience. I said what God wants is obedience. It's like children, you know? Boys are so easy. You know, you just whip them. <laughs> Girls are harder. Man, I, 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 I doubt she's watching. But man, that, that Christina, man, she'd obey all right. But man, she'd let you know. <laughs> she'd stomp up those stairs. She'd stomp around that room. You know, so, you know, go up, clean, pick up your room. You know, boom, 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 boom. You know, stomping, 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 stomping. So you think our Father God likes that? With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. Do I serve you, Lord my God, in my day of prosperity? Hallelujah. Learn 
to do what God says to do and be a happy camper while you're doing it. And you'll get a lot further down the road. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. She turned out great, though. She's a real tiger mom. I love him. I really do. He has never let me down not one time. He has never failed me not one time. He's never lied to me. Oh, my gosh. You know, everything is a lie now. They just redefined two weeks ago recession. My whole life, it's always been uh, two quarters of negative gross domestic product, and even Wikipedia redefined recession to cover for these bums. You, you think you go to an encyclopedia and you get accurate information. Oh, no, 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 no. And that's the beautiful thing about it, being online. They can just edit, you know, and redefine words and make it all up. The word of God is true, and everything else is a lie. So what God wants is obedience. Say it out loud. What God wants is obedience. Say it again. What God wants is obedience. Now, I realize, I do, that I am surely the only guy in America on a Thursday night teaching obedience. I realize that. But my responsibility is not what other people are doing. My responsibility is to teach you good people the requirements of God. Because if you know the requirements of God and you follow the requirements of God, then you can walk in the blessing of God. Here's some old school stuff. A.W. Tozer said, if we try to obey without faith, we get nowhere. If we try to have faith without obedience, it ends in nothing. If we try to obey without faith, we get nowhere. If we try to have faith without obedience, it ends in nothing. And he also said, we've substituted praying for obeying. Prayer will be effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. Now listen, this is good stuff. We've substituted praying for obeying. Prayer will be effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. And I would say the same thing is true with the anointing of oil. I would say the same thing is true with the laying on of hands. It'll be more effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. And you know who does all this super spiritual stuff? Dancing with flags, falling out, goosebumps, Daniel fast, drinking anointing oil, and all the other super spiritual malarkey? The disobedient, the disobedient, the disobedient. I mean, the Bible's plain about certain things. The Bible's plain, for example, about walking in love. But the folks who do all that are typically the people who don't walk in love. They're the backbiters. They're the haters. They're the maligners. We're to walk in love. We're to bless those who curse us. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to lunch with them. We may have to bless them from a distance. Bless you, brother. Bless you. I remember I saw a guy in the mall many years ago. You know, he saw me. He lit up. He started toward me. I said, bless you, brother. Bless you. And then I, I turned around and went some, somewhere, some other store. Amen. Sometimes you just got to bless him from a distance. Bless you. Amen. I'll tell you this. I wouldn't be telling the Lord I couldn't give the tithe or gifts into the gospel if I were driving a nice car. And I wouldn't be telling the Lord I couldn't give the tithe or gifts of, into the gospel if I were living in a nice house. 
And I wouldn't be telling the Lord that I couldn't give the tither gifts into the gospel if I were fat. Tell your neighbor, this preacher is not afraid of anything. Yeah, I said fat. Because Americans are eating their tithe. It's obvious. Just go online and look up any church service and look at the crowd shots. They're not only eating their tithe, they may be eating their pets. <laughs> Americans are eating their tithe. <laughs> they just love it. <laughs> See, this is why I'm not here as a guest speaker because you all wouldn't have me back. <laughs> I'm here as Papa. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> How many millions of people are going to be in hell forever because God's people wanted B Big Macs and Ding Dongs? I said, how many people are going to be in hell forever because God's people wanted more Big Macs and more ding-dongs? So we're going to get into this. But here are three things right off. You're not going to be prospered by God while you're ripping people off. You're not going to be prospered by God while living a lifestyle of disobedience. And you're not going to be prospered by God while not keeping the Lord's Sabbath, which was moved from the Sabbath, that is Saturday, to the Lord's Day, that is Sunday in the New Testament, because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. It's just not going to happen. I said it's just not going to happen. Now let's go back to Isaiah 58, picking up in verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? See, that's, if you just humble yourself one day, is that good enough? If you live 364 days for self and you humble yourself one day before the Lord, is that going to cut it? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? That's why every Friday this church sends checks out to two different teen challenge organizations. That's why every Friday this church sends checks out to feed the hungry. Why? Because we're doers of the word of God. And we don't just go to the Bible we like and do that. When we find it in the Word of God, we take action on it. If you want to do something for God, it isn't doing without food. If you want to do something for God, do something about suffering humanity. If you want to do something for God, be willing to share your food with the hungry. And that's why every Friday... Faith Christian Center sends a check to feed the hungry. We want to make sure we're giving to the poor every week. Yes, every week. Because Proverbs 28, 27 says, He who gives to the poor will lack nothing. Shout it out loud. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing. Yes, God wants to bless you, but God cannot bless you while you're ripping people off, being disobedient with the tithe, and not honoring the Lord's day. Can I get an amen? 
And I'll tell you something else that might not make me very popular. God cannot bless you while you're eating the food that could feed five people. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> so God says, loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, and break every yoke. Do not be slow to pay those who labor at your house. I'm not talking about some great big corporation. I'm talking about people who labor in your yard, people who labor cleaning your house, people who labor trimming your shrubs, shrubs. They're day laborers. They need that money that day. They might be buying gas that day on the way home. They might be buying groceries that day on the way home. Don't rip them off. Don't delay them. Don't horse them around. Working people are working day by day for their food, so do not delay in paying the working man. And do not promise people which you have no intention of paying them. Do not get people to do work for you under false pretenses. And you men, don't you dare come into this church and lie to women and tell women that you love them just so you can have sex with them. Too many so-called Christians are nothing but users and oppressors and rip-off artists and con artists. These are the last days, and we, the body of Christ, need to act like these are the last days. There ought to be a sobriety about us. But everywhere I look, I see preachers playing games. Everywhere I look, I see Christians playing games. Everywhere I look, I see people acting like that the master's not coming and that the master's return is delayed. I see people acting like there will not be a settling of accounts, but I came down here on this Thursday night to say that he who is coming will come, he will not delay, and when he comes, there will be a settling of accounts. Rather than look like the world and act like the world and talk like the world, we need to look like and act like and talk like we are a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I first heard this from Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, shrink back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My present is victorious. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer seek preeminence, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk in his patience, live by prayer, labor with power, and overcome by love. My face is set, my gate is quick, my goal is the kingdom of God, my road is narrow, my way may be rough, my companions may be few, but my guide is reliable, my mission is clear, and my victory is certain. 
The faith of God controls me. I have Holy Ghost power. Sickness obeys my command. Demons flee from my presence. And the enemies of God fear my glance and shun my presence. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, delayed, or seduced. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversaries, negotiate at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, powered up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. I must work till he comes. I must pray till he moves. I must shout till the walls fall. I must stand till my enemies flee before me. I must prevail until the adversaries of Christ have become my footstool. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and to not, not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Are you interested in living a good, healthy life? Are you tired of aches and pains? Are you tired of diseases? Are you tired of the devil taking your children? Are you tired of all the things the devil's been doing to you? Are you tired of the devil drying up your life and making you feel like you are old? Let me show you what God is trying to do in your life when he prompts you to reach out to the burdened down and to the oppressed. And I'll tell you, they're out there by the millions more than ever before, more than ever before. Most of you have never had the privilege of doing missions work in the third world. But I'll tell you, Sue and I have preached in Kenya and Tanzania and Uganda and Zimbabwe. I remember one night in Uganda, I was preaching in one place. Austin was preaching in another place. And I got done early. And I said to the driver that had been assigned to me, take me over to where Austin is preaching. What a sight it was. Got over there, and there he was preaching on a podium and came down off the podium, and he was preaching the gospel and laying hands on the sick and casting out devils. Let me tell you what, you are so blessed, you have no idea how blessed you are because here at Faith Christian Center, we are not successful without a successor. We are successful with a successor. And Sue and I preached in El Salvador and Honduras. We've preached from one end of Mexico to the other, one end of Guatemala to the other, one end of Nicaragua to the other. Sue has been in those Maasai huts in Kenya. We've seen with our own eyes people bound by demon power, lost and undone without Jesus and on their way to hell. We have heard the drums beating. 
We've seen with our own eyes what God can do in their lives. And the only way they're ever going to hear about Jesus is if someone goes and tells them. And the only way anyone can go and tell them is if someone sends that missionary, if someone sends that messenger. Paul explained this in Romans 10, 13 to 30, 10, 13 to 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the name of the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. I remember being just a boy in church and hearing that old hymn, my house is full but my fields are empty. There is a peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on the table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughing as the hours pass by. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work? For me today, it seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my field. No one wants to work my field. Push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond this house of plenty lies a field of golden grain, and it's ripened unto harvest. But the reapers, where are they? In the house, oh, count the children. Hear the father sadly say, my house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my field. No one wants to work my field. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? And I was just a boy in church. And I said, here I am, Father God. Send me. I'll go. I used to work every Friday night selling cookware to pay my own way through Bible school. But every Friday night at Central Bible College, they had a mission service. And Sue went every Friday night while I was off somewhere selling cookware. And every Saturday when I saw her, she was fired up again and ready to go into the harvest fields of God for Jesus. Let me tell you what. Maybe you haven't been called, but God needs businessmen too. That's what that pastor told R.G. Letourneau. God needs businessmen too. Hallelujah. And that's the attitude we ought to have. Father, maybe you are not sending me to Zimbabwe. Maybe you're not sending me to Guatemala. But I can go to work tomorrow with a mission. I can go to work tomorrow with a purpose. I can go to work tomorrow, and I can carry the anointing of God with me at work. Hallelujah. And in my own way, I can leave the Father's table, and I can go out to the fields of God, and I can work, and I can labor, and I can give, and I can tithe, and I can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, because the night is coming when no man can work. This generation is lost. This generation is undone. Paul said there will be terrible times in the last days. My God, my God, my God, we are right here at the end. 
And yet, how many of God's people are asleep? Wake up, wake up, wake up. The time is short. The time to give is short. The time to be used by God is short. The time to win the lost is short. The time to set the captive free is short. Wake up, wake up, wake up. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? 